Welcome to 40 Out, the original competitive skee-ball podcast. Each episode, we explore what it takes to be a legend of the lane by examining competitive skee-ball culture. We cover everything from techniques that'll help you become a better skee-ball roller to the psychology of the game. We're your hosts, Joseph Bullard, a.k.a. Space Wolf. And I'm Willie Garza, also known as Brew Horizons. We're excited to finally bring the idea behind this podcast to life. For the past couple of years, we've been thinking of a way to spread our love for the game and bring more people into the world of competitive skee-ball. But before we continue, we should warn you that this game is addictive. And once you start taking it seriously, it's really hard to turn that off. Our goal with this episode is to give you a crash course into competitive skee-ball. Yeah, and I think one way that we can do that is start by talking about our introduction to the game of skee-ball before we talk about the competitive aspects of the game. So when did you discover skee-ball? I think about it as being a carnival game. Like, I remember being at the county fair and, and playing skee-ball. I, I feel like that's, that's probably where I first saw it was, like, carnival settings. I actually, I don't think I experienced the game until I was already an adult. And it might have actually not even been skee-ball. It might have been one of the other kind of knockoff versions, like ice ball or beer ball. So yeah, I can't... It seems like I would have come across it in a carnival as well, based off of, like, geographically where I was raised. But I just don't have any super, super embedded memories of playing as a kid. I think no matter what game you're talking about, though, whether it's ice ball or skee-ball, they all sort of share the same general shape to the machine, And they all have like scoring pockets that are at the end of a ramp. Depending on the machine, those are going to be labeled differently. But in essence, they're worth 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 points. Uh, And then the pockets in the top left corner and the top right corner are worth 100 points. And so you'll see a lot of people going for those um, if you're at a carnival trying to, you know, get the most tickets. And we should probably mention that you can actually score zero in this game. Uh, We call that a gutter. But generally... The scores will range anywhere from 90 points to 900 points. And the machine has this display at the top of it. And that tracks your score as you're rolling, as well as the number of balls that you've actually rolled into the machine. I think the other thing that's definitely worth mentioning here is we've been playing skee-ball together for about five years. And we turned it into this podcast because we want to share what we know about the game, help people improve when they go out to play, and get more people playing skee-ball competitively. We've learned a lot through our playing and through even reading about skee-ball. It's actually one of the oldest redemption games that has been made. It was invented in 1908 by Joseph Forrester Simpson. And I wouldn't know that if, if I weren't playing this game at least twice a week, every week for the last five years. Yeah, and hopefully over the course of this podcast, we can, we, we can really give all of you an idea of just how much we talk about this game. Like, we literally talk about this game every single day. And the room that we're recording in right now, we have a skee-ball lane in here with us. We're just in a bedroom <laughs> of our home studio, and that's how seriously we take this game. And, and we definitely don't claim to be the best rollers out there because... We are definitely not. Uh, there are plenty of rollers way better than us, but we really enjoy 
talking about the strategy and thinking about the mechanics of the game. And those are the things that we really want to not only bring to life for people that are currently rolling competitive or competitively, but also to just the rest of the world. Before we get into the competitive aspects of the game, I guess this is a little bit of the competitive side, but one of the fun things about skee-ball is putting together a team. It's a really social sport. You're going to need at least two people to roll in a skee-ball league, at least in the ones that we've rolled in. It's always a team of three versus three. And I think all of the leagues have shared like this aspect of naming your team in some sort of punny way, somehow related to skee-ball. Whether you like use the word ski in your name or roll or brew or lane or ball or anything else that you can possibly think of that is related to ski ball, like throw that in your name somewhere, throw that in your team name and then put it in your roller name. Sometimes your roller name might tie into your to the team name, but it doesn't necessarily have to. Great point. There are some some teams that are really conceptual in naming their team and then adopting individual names that kind of fall under that team umbrella. The name that we're rolling with this season, I would say is conceptual. Our name is NASA, which is short for the National Aeronautics Ski-Ball Administration. I'm currently rolling with the name Space Wolf. Willie is rolling with the name Brew Horizons. And then our third teammate, Harlow, he's rolling under the name Ziggy Ski Dust. I mean, there are other names, too, that aren't really conceptual, but they just play off those words. So Skiing Up Butter Jelly Time is one of the teams right now. Brew Life Crew is another one of them. I really like the name Metal Beer Solid. One of my all-time favorites is Hepatitis Ski. Another one I really like is a fairly new team called Flaming Hot Skeetos. If we want to get into roller names, I really like the name Snakes on a Lane. That one's always been something that stands out to me every time I hear it. And he's a really dominant roller, so I think he sort of put his mark on the ski ball world with that name. Another one of our good friends is, uh, his roller name is Barack Obama. And I really like Ski by Strauss. He's a local Austin roller. And just really takes that that name to the next level uh, with his outfits and what he wears when he competes uh, and also in his team photos. I definitely think he has one of the best, the best roller photos that I've seen, which was him in full denim, like jeans, denim jacket. I think uh, like American flag tank top T-shirt. Yeah. And he just his arm outstretched, maybe holding a ski ball, but there was also a, a bald eagle photoshopped onto the end of his arm. That was my first introduction to Ski by Strauss, and I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is this is the perfect name. It was probably a bald eagle photoshopped into his hand, and then a ski ball, a little mini ski ball photoshopped into the eagle's wing. And the, the eagle actually had on a denim jacket. <laughs> I think that would have been one step too far for Coop. So we've talked a little bit about names that other people have had, but over the last five years, we've definitely gone through quite a few. Man, when we first started out, when I first started playing the game, we were actually the Ski Masons. Uh, and that was actually the last time that you didn't roll with the name Space Wolf. Yeah, yeah. And the whole concept behind that team name was, it was kind of rooted in Freemasonry and just the Illuminati in general. And I think there was already a team named Ski Illuminati, which is a fucking amazing name. Uh, super jealous of that name. 
so we came up with the ski masons and yeah i was lyndon lange johnson and i'm pretty sure you were Roltaire. yeah and then what was andrew <laughs> andrew had the name white shadow <laughs> It That's was right. Yeah, it was after a cartoon on Cartoon Network that right, I can't right. really remember. But I, I, all I know is that cartoon was pretty fucked up and pretty racist, but like pretty yeah, funny. I think it somehow tied into the idea that like this kind of Big Brother, um, Illuminati kind of like New World Order sense. Yeah, yeah. Like White Shadow was the big bad in that. Yeah, like the villain. Series. Yeah, he was the villain in that series. And he was facing a team of superheroes that were all like really racist, like tropes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it was real weird. I don't think I ever actually, I didn't watch a full episode, but I had to like figure out what it was when he picked that name. I feel like I only saw some clips. Like I didn't see any full episodes, but I feel like I remember that kind of like Adult Swim or Cartoon Network animation quality. So anyway, from Ski Masons. I guess that was a that was the last team we had before we transitioned to Ski I Joe's. Yeah, we moved right into Ski I Joe's. Andrew uh, left our team, and we picked up our friend Joe Lebon, and we all shared the root Joe in our name somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to go with the Ski I Joe's. Yeah, and did we ever figure out? I always thought it was Barbara that kind of came up that with that name, but. I think you at one point said it was like you that actually came up with that name. Yeah, you keep saying that, but I think... I don't know why I think, I think that. I think that I came up with it. But I also have this very, like, not a very vivid memory, but I, I remember waking up, what, like, I remember where I was living at the time. I remember waking up and being like, it would be real cool if we just went by Joe, Joey, and Joseph, and then we could be the ski eye Joes. And I remember... I remember waking Barbara up and telling her that because I was like, holy shit, this is like the best name. And I was real proud of myself at that moment <laughs> for, for thinking of that. Yeah, I think that name is great. And I, that's probably my favorite team name that I've been a part of for sure. It just worked. And I have a design background, so we just kind of ran with stickers and koozies and what our team's brand identity was going to look like. And we'd show up and play in, in camouflage shirts. And I even bought some camouflage shoes. We had face paint. We had bandanas, we had sunglasses, we had uh, shamas that we wrapped around our necks, and it was fantastic. And we actually turned into a really good team and won a few championships together. Then from there, we went where? I think that we went straight to Rolltron from there. We, we were trying to stick with the 80s cartoon theme, so we said we settled on Rolltron, Defender of the Bruniverse. Yeah, I think that was a really fun name, too. And and just great to roll with James, who then became our, our new team member. And after that, we went and combined an old team member, Joe, with our new team member, James, then changed our name to Four Horsemen of the Ropocalypse. We spent a lot of time trying to think of famous foursomes, I guess. <laughs> trying, to, trying to figure out, trying to figure out what that, that would be. It really helped that Joe, our third roller from Ski Eye Joe's, like he's pretty old. So him just having that old school professional wrestling knowledge uh, really tied in to um, even the two of us and just like figure fours and Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson and things like that. I'm definitely happy with that that team photo. That was definitely one of the, the better team photos that we've ever done. Oh, geez, the ones you photoshopped. We superimposed our heads on action figures, and then Willie photoshopped 
but like a realistic Photoshop version of our faces on the wrestlers' bodies to the point that it it nearly looked pretty creepy. I sent those to Coop like via email or something, and he immediately texted me back to say like, Corey and I can't stop laughing. And I was <laughs> like, at what? Like, what are you talking about? Those are good, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> So far, we've only talked about team names and roller names, and while that's important, it's really one of the first steps of joining any league. In Austin alone, we've rolled in three different leagues, but we know that there are a bunch out there. There's a ski league out in Chicago, Ski Boston, the New Orleans Ski Ball and Drinking League, and there's even a league in Columbus, Ohio at the Pretentious Barrel House. We're going to stick to what we know and use our experience to talk about ski ball as a sport. In each of the three leagues we've played in, the season has been eight weeks long, followed by a postseason. The postseason is a bracket tournament played over a few weeks until one team is left on top. Whether it's the postseason or the regular season, every match consists of one team of three versus another team of three. Each roller gets to roll 10 frames, and the team with the highest combined score wins. One of the most common strategies is to roll straight up the middle of the lane and try to get all nine balls into the 40 pocket. And if you can do this successfully, you're going to end up with 360 points. The reason this strategy is the most common is because it reduces the amount of risk involved. If you miss a 40, you still have a pretty good chance of rolling out into the 30 or the 20 pocket. This strategy is one of the biggest reasons that we chose the name 40 out for our podcast. You might be tempted to go for the 100 pocket, but if you miss, you're probably going to end up with 10 points. We've only scratched the surface of competitive rolling, but that's just about it for the first episode. In future installments, we'll bring in other rollers to talk about strategy, the meaning behind their names, and superstitions they bring with them to the lane. And we'll probably talk about beer because we do roll in a league where the top trophy is a beer mug. So we want to thank everyone for giving us a shot by listening to this first episode. Taking time out of your busy day to listen to the stuff we have to say really means a lot to us. We've been casually working on this idea behind the scenes since 2017, and it feels really good to finally put it out there. Our mission with 40 Out is simple. It's to introduce more people to the world of competitive skee-ball and spread our love for the game. Skee-ball is a major part of our lives, and it's because the people we play with are some of our best friends. It's a really special community, and we're inviting you to join us so that you can experience it for yourself. In fact, we could really use your help with something. One of our goals is to create the most comprehensive map of places to play skee-ball. If you visit 40outpodcast.com slash roll, you'll find a link to a Google map with a growing list of locations where you can play. You can use the map to find new places to roll, or you can help add to it if you know of a place that isn't on the map. We'd also love it if you can point out any errors you find in our listings so we can get it fixed. And you can do that by emailing us at findthe40 at gmail.com. We want to provide the best information possible, and we really appreciate everyone's help. Another thing you can do is call 512 512- 270-1609 and leave us a skee-ball related message. Our next episode is going to focus on ways to make you a better roller, so if you're already rolling competitively, please call in with any tips you want to share with someone who might be rolling for the first time. Again, you can reach us at 512-270-1609. 40 Out was created by Willie Garza and myself, Joseph Bullard. We're doing all the recording, editing, design, and running the 40 Out social media accounts ourselves. You can find us online at 40outpodcast.com or with the handle at 40outpodcast. 
We hope you enjoy what's to come. The best way to support us is to tell people about the show and listen to every single episode we publish. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Another way you can show your support is by visiting BarkSwagBandanas.com to pick out a reversible handmade bandana for the four-footed friend in your life. Roll up a chair and tune in next time as we explore ways to become a better skee-ball roller. Thanks so much for listening. Mm